Hey everybody, Mark Brush, podcasting with you and Josh Tyson, who you'll hear in a moment, because he doesn't get to do the intro. This is mine. I have begun the slow dance with James Joyce's Ulysses, not reading it yet, just listening to a podcast about it, thanks to Dave Carney last episode, hat tip to Dave Carney. And this episode is dedicated to Ulysses, because that is what the people want to hear. More Ulysses talk. I just finished up that cricket bar, and uh, it was pretty good. You're going to hear more about it in this episode, about midway through. We didn't get to our sponsor this week because it's happening next week. Real sponsor. Get ready for the real sponsor. This episode has a fake sponsor from Outer Space. Let's do it. Episode 19. Begin. Oh, what am I drinking? Oh, uh, that's that's some good belly probiotic coconut water. Good belly. Boulder. At good belly, maybe. I don't know. I love this stuff. Really? It's fucking magical. Man, I, I gotta get down on my knees again and move the mic. This is gonna be... How do, That's how every podcast starts. <laughs> Mark has to get down on his knees again. <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna... It's gonna hurt. <laughs> Thank you to Greg Bagney for these insane hats. I love a good mesh back hat. I'll tell you what. Get on uh, Instagram, check them out. Not only, there's a few pics of them. And Alien it's, Truth. It's nice to see Mark in a meshback hat that isn't Von Dutch, people. What does that mean? Oh, never mind. Same guy who designed uh, Ed Hardy. I don't have any of those. I know you don't. Okay. Total bro bra shit. That guy died this week, though. I'm sad. He was in his I 50s. I forget his name. Oh. Von Dutch. Valued at uh, $1.2 maybe, his company? I don't oh, remember. Oh, the company. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I forget the name. Greg Bagney? Greg Bagney is valued at... Priceless. Yeah, I mean... Priceless. Trillion seems too small. Greg Bagney, Natch Rancher. <clears throat> a, a... Man of mystery. Yes. And of great um, power and influence. Is he a kingmaker, Mark? Not only I am a kingmaker. <laughs> there could be only one. These hats are insane. We appreciate them. We are wearing them as we podcast. You're all welcome to send hats. In fact... And we will wear them, but... We won't talk about you unless you sponsor the podcast um, <clears throat> for a fee, which is very reasonable. Look. You want to just rap a little bit? <laughs> we haven't rapped in a while. It's been all week. <laughs> yeah. You know, is it, is it, are you allowed to talk about other podcasts on your podcast? I think that's the great thing about the medium, Mark. There yeah. really are very few rules. So I have been listening more regularly <clears throat> to a uh, Yeah Dude it's a good one. I this was tipped to me by you via Defay, right? At Lady Fay. There she is. At three D Fay on Instagram. <clears throat> I yeah, I'm I'm like looking at them. It's just hilarious for like the business model of how they're doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like eight nine years they've been doing it. Uh, no ads, no sponsors. Just good times. They got some good merch now and again. They do live shows, which I sent you a clip of. I've never seen. Like, one of them sitting and the other one's standing around pacing in the background. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but they were talking about uh, parenting. They were giving out some sort of parenting awards based well, that, on some really bad examples of bad, or some no, no, good no. examples of bad parenting. That was an old, uh, I think they used to do a recurring thing on um, Craigslist ads. Oh, I see. And, he, and so, they, they do a similar thing. They do a little prep. What's going on in the news? And then they riff on it. But they just threw their uh, shit up on Patreon. That's the place to go if we ever wanted to ask people for money. Natchcast, tell your friends. They're like, they're getting like, uh, you know, you, you do a buck a month or you do five bucks a month. They're up to like seven, eight grand. So they can do all the stuff they want to do. That's wonderful. <laughs> it does say if they get to 10, this is a podcast, two guys talking about America. And they're, they're one of them's Jonathan Larroquette. The actor John Larroquette's son. Son, who is a musician. Yeah. And the other is Seth Romatelli, 
who is an aspiring actor, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Is one of them one of them's usually he's, baked too, right? He's quick-witted. I think Seth is a quick-wit um Am I wrong I about that? Know. I thought one of them know. talked about smoking weed a lot. I think they they both might be recovering from addictions. It's sort of there's a subtext to that. I haven't listened long enough. Well, that's what I thought. One of them was sober and the other one was uh, Why did I bring that up? I don't know, cuz you like their business model? <laughs> business, <clears throat> you're excited by it? Business model, right? Right. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, but they've been doing it for like eight years. They're oh, funny. this is why I brought it up, because you were saying we hadn't wrapped in a week. None of that shit matters, Josh. You know why this thing worked for them? Because they got to get together once a week and talk to each other. I know. We've got the Friends. problem of not being able to look at one another. <laughs> we, need, problem. we need some transparent pillows. We'll just do it here. Because I feel like that was a very eye-locking moment. Whoa. Oh, oh, I'm opening up the middle here. Oh, yeah, let's make a little... Oh. No, but now... Oh, look. Yeah, but I have to lean over and then I'm not... It's a little portal. Let me move the mic. Oh, there we go. Oh, I'm going to scoot back. That's good stuff. Oh, no, I can't see your face. I can just just see the low dip of your V-neck. Well, that's all you really need to see. Slutty. I had something to share. So good for them. Um, So so you know what I'm saying? Forget who, you know, sponsors, great. Hats, love them. Yeah, we like hats. Uh, uh, Patrons. Yeah, one day maybe great. We're thinking about it's uh, just this it's making the, it's our own this hats. Moment. Hats and shirts might be on the way. Oh, you you, you breezed right over the tenderness. I was gonna. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> breezed over your tenderness. It's good to get together and talk once a week. Now let's do this. It is good to get together at Cafe talk. Brush soon. Yeah, we can do that. Put up the party lights in the backyard. I saw it looks that. like a cafe. It does look like a cafe. It'd be so fun quaint. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Will you make some sangria? Why? I don't know. It looks like something sangria you drink under those uh, lights when they're strung up outside. All right. I'll make you sangria. Or just beer. That's easier. Or, um, all right. Berry. Hey, I've got a- How about some strawberries? <clears throat> I've got a berry bold idea for- <laughs> I've got a berry bold idea for you. This is, this is the news. We've arrived at the news segment mm-hmm. of the show. Strawberries used to taste great. Can science restore them to their former glory? And this is a Slate article by Nick Stockton. God, you've done it again. It's on Slate, but it's it's a Wired article. They like they've got some deal with Wired. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You're right. They do. They have it's a publishing uh, agreement partnership. Yeah, make you think. They got more going on than they do. All right. Well, I mean, I'm reading it on Slate, so it's on Slate. Okay. You're gonna pull the the publishing partnership punches. I'm going to call them like I see them. I want to go to Wired and read it. What is it about? Strawberries. Think about the best strawberry you ever tasted. Okay. Sweet. With a flavor that's a great, that's a greater than the sum mix of overripe peach, underripe grape, burnt caramel, and a little tang to grab the insides of your cheeks. Which cheeks are they talking about? Okay. <clears throat> So the thing is, not every not every strawberry tastes that good. No, no strawberry tastes that good. No, strawberries are modern strawberries have been bred for size, and shelf a, life, and disease resistance, and they just don't taste as good as they used to. Who's the guy? Swizz Beats. Swizz Beats. Keats Beats. All, no, what was it? Twenty four. Swizz Keats. All ass. What was it? It was something. Uh, twenty four seven butts <laughs> or loves loving butts twenty four seven. Loves butts twenty four seven. Was that it? Yeah, what's this have to do with berries? Oh, it's so the, the writing was. Oh, I thought you meant because he was talking about being inside the cheeks. The, the love butts. Ah, man, we need to look that up. That's a prior episode. If you're completely lost, somebody wrote a Swiss Keats. He wrote an article piece. for Sevier about eating crickets, which uh, we might get to later. It was like that sentence times three thousand thousand, and then extended into six paragraphs. That's right. Back to strawberries. So I'm just going to read from this article because it's so well written. Virtually every strawberry you've ever eaten is a crossbreed of two species. Fragaria chilonesis. Chilonis. Chiloinsis. Do you really think that's Italian? I like to pretend it is. I think it's probably Latin. Right. But Italian is a Latin language, so... No harm, no foul. Jesus. A big fruited variety that ranges up uh, the western side of the Americas and F, Virginiana. Hmm. Sounds like one of our 50 states. 
a smaller wildberry that grows from Florida to Alaska. So the crossbreed called Fregaria ex Anasasa. Even. Anasas Anasa? All I can see is the <laughs> low V of your shirt. I cannot see your face. <laughs> Just, just, so distracting. Just peek down my shirt. All right. So wait, this cross this crossbreed sucks. Is the point? Yeah, well, uh, we know they they're breeding for size, firm flesh, shelf size, life. shelf life. They don't want them to get mediocrity ugly. is what yeah, they're breeding they for. Breed, all the taste just disappeared. You know? Can I tell you what I liked about that article? Yep. Tell me. Well, we didn't even talk about what the actual point of the article is yet. Okay, I, I can wait. The point is that uh, now we're looking to uh, to science to restore strawberries to their former glory. When you talk How? about something How? like when you talk about something like flavor, there are so many components: the texture, the sugar content, the types of sugars, the aromatics. Says Steve Knapp, the new director of the University of California Davis's six-decade-old strawberry breeding program. That's my favorite part of the article: that there's been a sixty-year-old strawberry no, no, no. breeding program. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 60 plus. That's crazy. Yeah. And, but even better, it doesn't, isn't this the article where Florida's kind of kicking their ass? Later on, there's this new program in Florida that, am I mixing articles? Um, I think that's this one. Like da, 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 da. 90% of strawberries yeah. come out of California. Vance Whitaker, a breeder at the University of <laughs> yeah. Florida's program. But they've, they've got the upper hand because they figured out a few specific genes that can. <laughs> and here's Davis, the mothership, 60 years into the game. In this young buck, Florida. <laughs> yeah, isn't that life? Disruption. Out. Like, oh, in we'll the use, strawberry breeding world. We'll stand on your shoulders and get this taken care of. Freaking Hampton Creeks everywhere you look. Yeah. So it's a big pain in the ass, basically, to do this, right? Uh, science is, uh, they're grappling with it. Um, strawberries are the fifth, fifth most popular fruit in the U.S., and a $2.2 billion a year crop, but the industry is always at risk of leaving a bad taste in consumers' mouths. Quote, flavor is paramount. If strawberries don't deliver, people can eat bananas or blackberries instead, said Mark Bolda, a strawberry expert with the UC Davis program. Let's think about that. Uh, I mean, I like blackberries That's better. the cutthroat fruit world. It is. One bad strawberry. Fuck this, I'm going to blackberries. Uh, I feel like, well, strawberries... Banana. You never go... Banana is consistent. Bananas are gross kinda. you don't like bananas but you know what you're getting with a banana you kind of know i guess blackberry must I, be you know that if you don't eat it in that 30 minute window where it's the ripeness that you like mm. that you can count on putting it in the composter or putting it in your freezer for six months and then into the composter bananas <laughs> <laughs> i like them do we want to get into the science of this or are we just content nah. realizing that it's hard to do yeah and they're trying to do it you know what I want to get into? Science stepping in. You want to get inside some cheeks? I what? want to know about this. Consi- I read um, my friend uh, Eric at uh, New Hope, where I used to work and went to visit last week. And I read something he wrote about consistency. Is mm. it time to give up on consistency? If you really want natural <clears throat> and you really want farm to table, authentic, blah, 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 you know. I think he was talking about ketchup. Maybe one ketchup bottle is going to taste a little different than the next ketchup bottle. Are you okay with that? I think you should be. Same thing here. These guys are freaking out. Like, I got to, every strawberry's got to deliver. I mean, I get, there's, there's a line here. If, if you got a whole, if you, if you buy six cartons in a row and it's that weird variety that tastes like cardboard, you're done. You're going yeah. to blackberries. But what if you get one bad strawberry or one bad carton? Are you okay with that? Yeah, you happens. naturalist. You know what? Cru- uh, consistency is the crucible of fast food. That's the These fast food, food experience. Dilettantes. What? What did you say? Consistency. It's the crucible of the fast food experience. Yes, that's why fast food succeeds. Can you? Uh, so if you want to get a book that's talked about that, I wish there were. I feel like I could write it one at this point. What would I call it though? Hmm. Oh, fast food nation. No, that's a good title. No, no, no it's not. I did start reading another book, but uh, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> I think it's called Without Us Here. Yeah. And it's a nonfiction book. It's it's right in line with what we talk about on this podcast. Oh. It's uh the conceit in this book is you have to kind of imagine that there was some sort of super virus hmm. or they that wiped out all of humanity or that aliens came and beamed us all back this up. This is not a nonfiction book then. Or that Jesus that or that Jesus came and beamed everyone back up. Neither of those things has happened. I know. That, okay. okay, there's a conceit to it, but, but the nonfiction element is that he then describes like how, do, how, how, na- how, how nature would read. How, re- how do you know it's a him? Because a guy wrote it. 
You don't know that. Yeah, I did. I looked at his fucking picture. I just don't remember his name. And I meant to bring the book down. God. But the book is about like how nature Lean in, Josh. How nature would reclaim the planet. Like how like and it's the chapter one starts with, oh, with your man. house. It talks about how your house would decompose and eventually get swallowed back up in the earth. And not just like in a general way. He talks about specifically Dude. if your house was built Dude. in between this year and this year, you have this kind of board that's gonna Dude. rot this way. Dude. What? I am reading a trilogy of books. Now, we've discussed this on the podcast. I usually tend toward um, difficult fictions Yeah, <laughs> to satisfy my English degree. I'm like, screw that. I want, I want, to be, I want a story. And I, I stumbled across this thing called the... Um, oh, Twilight. Yeah. No, the Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. First hmm. book called Annihilation. Second book called Authority. Third book, Acceptance. I'm on the third book. That You need to read it. Hmm. It's very. It's one of these sort of science fiction fantasy things that has become almost like a parable. And it's very powerful. And it's won awards and crossed over into uh, legitimate markets. I did that in quotes. Oh, it's no longer considered science fiction. It's now it's genre. literature. It's, it's moved beyond genre. Hmm. That's hard, but to that's do. what it is. There's this this place. It's it seems to me like it's somewhere off the coast of Florida or the, uh, the coastline of Florida. Area X. Something crazy happened there. Uh-huh. You and it's reclaimed. There's no toxins left. It's all of the things are decomposing quite rapidly. No signs of human existence. But the government keeps sending people in there to try to figure it out. Ooh, and shit goes crazy. It's great. It's good. Chapter, Recommended. Chapter one of the book I'm reading opens with this little parable this is our book list. Thing uh, they I, they attribute it to somebody, but it's we, like it's we like a saying. The, uh, we will put the book list, uh, the reading club guide, on the website. Oh yeah, the book of anecdotes will go up there in too. the show notes. Uh, what did I want to tell you? Oh, he says so. Like someone asks, how do you destroy a barn? Like, what's the best way to destroy a barn? And this guy says, well, you cut an eighteen-inch square hole in the roof and you step back. Ooh. And at first, I uh, didn't click for me right away, but yeah, as soon as water gets in. Boom, it's over. Mold, plant life. Yep. Pow. Lichen, moss. Yep. It's exciting. Termites, ants. And I got to tell you, like, I find this book, I don't know if I'm supposed to find it terrifying, but I find it in a way soothing. Like, I like the thought of, mm-hmm. not of all humanity being gone, but just that, that uh, it, it reminds me of a, jo- a great George Carlin bit where he, he basically says that, uh, that save the earth, the whole notion of save the earth, save the earth, it's really bullshit. Like what you're really saying is save humanity because the earth could, I believe what he says is the earth could shake us off like a bad case of fleas and it would be just fine. And I think that's true. Save the, save the planet is more about save the species. We might be in the middle of it. In the middle of what? Being shaken off? Yep. Shake it off. Shake it off. You think uh, Taylor Swift is one of the the horsemen of the apocalypse? I didn't know if you were going to get it. All right. Well, yeah, I know you're the one with young girls in the house, but uh, we happen to all like that song. That's a. I'm gonna play. It's a boy favorite too. Oh wait a minute! I'm offline. Oh god, here comes. You're not gonna play music through this, are you? <laughs> I, I, I wish Carney was here. I do too. Play some beats. beats. <laughs> Hold on. But I've got a. Oh yeah, this is a. You ever heard this one? You're going to play Pale Blue Dot through the USB mic, huh? Is it coming through? Yeah, I can hear it. Why are we doing this? I just remembered it, and I want to hear it. Maybe we should just do... We should, oh, that's the other thing that... um, We can't copy that, can we? Oh, yeah, dude. They, like, open the show with just, like, that two or three minute stretch of some song you haven't heard? Uh, I don't think we need to do that. I like that they do that. Yeah, that's just a direct rip. But, I mean, people, uh, people want us. They don't want our musical taste. <laughs> they come to the show for one thing. Well, for two things. Three things, maybe. If mm-hmm. there's a guest. What are they? Well, uh, the Gilded Insider, the Body Everyman, and the Guest. Gold Ringers. Gold Ringers. Tulane spreads food as medicine gospel to med schools nationally by Rebecca... Catalanello. 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 The Tulane program introduces students to the basic concepts behind a Mediterranean-style diet, one that emphasizes cooking with plant-based foods, whole grains, legumes, and nuts, along with fish and poultry. 
Also includes a community component, enabling the medical students to transfer their knowledge of food preparation to people from the community, some who may have, had, may have health-related dietary concerns. The idea is to translate the basic science into the, of nutrition into the conversation that you will have with your patient in the exam room about food. People don't put fiber and monounsaturated fat on their grocery shopping lists. They Great look for quote. apples and broccoli, olive oil, and canola. Those are the words doctors should use, too. Such a no-brainer, man. They, it it's is. The, it's the uh, gold ring. Isn't it called gold ring? Isn't that why I called it gold ring? It's, it's the gold ring program, I think. Oh, God. I should have looked that up. <laughs> yes, it is. And they are now, it's now being adopted by a number of hospitals and medical schools, like Children's Hospital of San Antonio, mm. University of Colorado at Denver. There you go. They're teaching people how to like really cook, really use food, and they're teaching med students how to do it, and they're teaching doctors how to do it. Because this whole nutrition thing, like when you with your doctor, they don't know what they're talking about. They get no, like they two, three hours of education on this. They don't use it, and then like you said, you go in there and like, oh, stay back on your processed carbs. You know, don't tell that to people. This is an important paradigm shift. Paradigm shift in Western medicine. Um, and it's something that has to happen if our new, if the Affordable Care Act is to work, right? What the hell's happening right now? What? You, what? Preventative care is a key component of the Affordable like Care Fox Act. News. Yeah, please tell me. <laughs> That's a key component of the success to the success of the Affordable Care Act is preventative medicine. So fewer sick people. You're getting to keep, it. Keep the premiums down. Yeah. Well, what's they've they. But how do you make this work in, in, in the world as it exists? And they're figuring it out. Yeah, you they've get got doctors a, on that shit. They got a chef. They got a doctor. They're talking in every person language. There is an adorable little guy on PBS. It's, it's like, a, I don't know if you, it was in, when, I, when I used to wake up early and uh, do my Wailana stretches. You don't my, do that anymore. I've been going to actual yoga classes, Ooh. which is a little more fulfilling. I, I love Wailana, but I push myself harder if I'm being pushed. Mm. So anyway, in, like they have these little segments on PBS kind of just, you know, to fill in gaps between shows. And there's this delightful little guy. He's a doctor. And all he does is uh, show you how to cook healthy, quick, oh, healthy, quick too. foods with using whole ingredients and just, you know, simple I, four or five ingredient recipes. I mean, that's good. He's yeah. adorable, too. <laughs> He's so cute. I guess that's a good strategy. PBS, adorability. People. I mean, just that, but I'm, he, my I point is the, he's a doctor and he's a doctor who believes in the power of nutritional right. cooking and food well, preparation. This is one of the entrees for the celebrity doctor too, right? Like some sort of mainstream practitioner, like an Oz or a Hyman. Hyman? Yep. Dr. Mark Hyman. Oh. Um, we, we're, we're tired of, we're tired of, treat, of uh, treating sickness. We want to make people healthy. We want to tell them how to be healthy before they're ill. And so food's the way to do that. Because well, that was in this article, too. Food's well, I don't like think it's most... not that they're tired of treating but sickness. They're tired of treating these chronic illnesses that are well, completely uh, preventable. Come on. If you're, you know, you want to get, you want to figure something out for somebody before it's too late. Right. But you, you like treating people when they need it, you know. Well, yeah, but I'm sure you'd rather. There's not a diet to protect you from a broken limb, Mark. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Correct. <laughs> I don't think, I think the doctor is a key piece of this. There's yeah. something about, even if you don't want to go to your doctor for like dietary advice, because I mean, you're probably, if you go paleo and you go in to see your doctor and the doctor's like, don't do that. You're going to stay paleo. Your doctor's not going to And you're going to find a new yet. doctor. You're going to get gonna all up doctor. in arms. Because if you're paleo, you're, you may be a little angry. But if you figure out how to get, how to make that doctor talk in smart way. And, and what I like about this is they make them come in and like cook with them. Because you know half those doctors aren't even cooking their own food. They don't eat well. Well, those doctors, that's that's another thing, though. Doctors don't have a lot of time, right? Well, but... Med school is grueling. Do do as I say, not as I do, right? I, you know that doctor's going out, getting a burger, drinking beer, getting through another day. Well, of course, and they're eating hospital food, too, probably. Ooh. That's got to hurt. That's getting better. Depends on where you go, but this could be a piece of that, too. Why not have Mediterranean cooking in hospital cafeterias? Coming out of NOLA, no less. New Orleans. Yep. Culture of cuisine. Home of trumpets. <laughs> Robbie Petrano as the favorite son. Friend of the show. I'll bet you he's got his mitts in this two-lane business. I bet the hair on the back of his neck just stood up, and he doesn't know why. Oh. <laughs> and he never will. <laughs> he's, a, 
Yeah, he will. You're saying he doesn't listen? No, he sent me a very nice note about Natch Lab. See? I know. I saw that note, too. Yeah. I believe he sent us. Or did you just forward it to me? I think I forwarded it to you. Client there. No, I think Robbie was reaching out to me. Can you tell me about this uh, nice title? Fucked Up Fishing. God. I know where this is going. You don't even have to tell me. Fucked Up Fishing. Let me guess. All right, you guess. Big boats scraping the sea of all the stuff they think they need and getting a bunch of other stuff with it, and there's nothing left in the ocean. Sort of. That's very close. But the problem is, um, so the McDonald's filet of fish sandwich actually bears a Marine Stewardship Council approved Ooh, stamp. MSC. That is, that is uh, it's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is the trawl boats that they're using are not only catching the pollock, which is the main component of the filet fish patty, believe, okay. they're also scooping up halibut, which is making it really difficult for uh, native peoples to fish. And these trawlers, uh, oh, let me find this quote. because I see. Trawlers, which are sometimes, sometimes the size of football fields. Excuse me. Trawlers, which are sometimes the size of football fields that catch pollock and flatfish, such as, such as sole and flounder, also catch and kill a lot of halibut. Their operators will tell you it's less than 1% of their total haul. That's true. But because the trawlers haul billions of pounds of their own catch every year, Last year, that resulted in 6.2 million pounds of accidentally caught halibut, according to a federal report. Ah, yep. So there you go. McDonald's. I mean, it's just intuitive, right? You know. Okay, it's like lipstick on a pig. We are, this is a highly sustainable way that we're sourcing our fish for our filet fish I know that there's something wrong with this. Yeah. It's a filet fish Well, yeah. And You're selling 9 billion of them a day. Yeah, there's no way that that's sustainable. You just know it. But when you got enough money to throw at people to but what are you gonna do? make it sustainable. But I mean, that's bad too, because I feel like we're this compromises the integrity of the Marine Stewardship Council is oh, what that, it does. Yeah, I think you're right. You I, were just saying what a big uh, hot shit deal they are. I've been wondering about that. I knew I got to know a lot about that with the uh, krill market. You know what krill is? Little shrimp. Those little shrimps. Yes. <laughs> but they are a powerful source of omega-3. Some say even the science is even better on krill oil than fish oil. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't get the fishy after burp. You, uh, it's smaller. It's more concentrated. You don't have to take a bunch of those soft gels. I like the fishy after burp. But they've been like intense about their sustainability efforts, mainly because Whole Foods wouldn't carry them. They said, Whole Foods was like, we're not so sure about the overall sustainability of krill, where you're doing it up, up, up in the Arctic. And, uh, I mean, I know the companies that are in the supply chain around this, and it's they're very legitimate about, you know, working with MSC, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we're, the quotas are pretty uh, strict, and they don't get near the quotas, and they go in the right areas and all of this sort of stuff. But um, well, what I don't get, too, I mean, well, what MSC, I- man, I don't, you don't want to be, it's kind of like, so imagine you're MSC, you've got this program, you're a nonprofit, you're trying to save the world. And you come up with this seal, and McDonald's wants to get it. And you're, oh, you're torn. You're like, I don't know if I can go this way. But then McDonald, but then like they they dot their eyes and cross their T's, and it looks legit. And you're like, all right, go for it, MSC it. And then two guys like us go, I will never trust MSC again. Well, I don't know about that. I get it. Their hands are tied a bit. But what I don't understand is why aren't these big companies more concerned with sustainability? As a business concern, I mean, it's happening. Like, what the fuck? Don't it's you? Happening. If you want to keep selling filet of fish sandwiches, you got to stop being a psycho about getting the sole and the pollock and the fish, right? It's happening. Or Unilever, Paul Boardman. Why don't you fucking replace that half weird meat patty in your Big Mac <laughs> with some sort of vegan or vegetarian substitute that I'm sure you can pump full of chemicals to make it have the exact same texture, and the exact same flavor. Here we are again. I'm telling you, it's this whole. I think this whole natural food movement is is a big deal, and it's going to clean stuff up. But it's just it's like the uh, it's the opening act. Yeah. And the main performance here is is food, 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 food. 
that's a new audio cue that we're working on. Next week, I think we're going to start. Yeah, brand more on that, that next segment. week. Yeah. Bad bugs. Bad bugs. Uh, let's kick off this article. Eating insects isn't as eco-friendly as people say. By Mandy Oaklander, best name of the cast, Oaklander. Yeah, I like Mandy Oaklander. On uh, this is on time when we get to it. But what am I doing? I'm going to eat this here. What is this? So we've got. In honor of this uh, article and in honor of the fact that we uh, need to honor our commitment to eat some bugs. This is barely eating bugs. This does not. Well, it's the best we could do on short order. I was at Sprouts and I found these. Uh, the brand name is Chapul. Yes. Made with cricket protein powder. Yes. Dairy free, no soy, all natural. Yeah. Uh, we've got a peanut butter and chocolate flavored one. And which one's yours? Is like a chocolate oh, mine chili is or a, something? Uh, oh, where's the flavor? Aztec bar, dark chocolate, coffee, and cayenne. Mm. So listen to this, though. I'm going to read from the packaging. Why eat crickets? In a changing world, our diets will dictate our destiny. Crickets need only 17% of the food and less than 1% of the water and land resources than livestock for the same amount of protein. They also require fewer natural resources than meat substitutes like soy, corn, and rice. So, uh... Chapul invites you to expand your mind, expand your taste, and join us in a food revolution. Their hashtag is bring in sexy back. What? What? Like, it's a portmanteau. Like, insects and sexy. Oh, insexy. Insexy. Bring in sexy. Okay, yeah. yeah. www.chapul.com. Uh, I don't think that's a keeper. No, and I, I actually took pictures of this bar. Or these bars and a while ago and posted it on my Instagram. Use that hashtag. Yeah. And I got I got no response. <laughs> so So I'm gonna try this peanut butter and chocolate one first. Do I have both? Which one's which? The darker one. One of them has a lot more flex the, flex in it. Yeah, that's the peanut butter one. Alright, let me try that. This is gonna taste good. You know it's gonna taste fine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This isn't eating bugs. Well, technically it is. Mm. Mm. This peanut butter one's good. Here's the thing, though. This is hidden bugs. Mm-hmm. But imagine, like, you'd be enjoying this, but if you... This is no different than the green sludge from last week. But if you took a bite, and all of a sudden there was, like, a cricket leg in there... Yeah. Would you squeal? I think I would. In this bar? No. No. I mean, there's probably, like, little crushed-up antennas and eyeballs... Yeah, but it's so fine. And this is like the in, uh, the hot dog of insect eating. It's like a very comfortable format. You all know the bar, whether it's a candy bar, a nutrition bar, whatever. Mm. You know it's full of ingredients that are... These are both good quite good. Oh, you did both? I didn't do the other one. All right. I'm not going to eat the whole things now because it's a bit distracting. <laughs> and prob- There's probably at least two or three people who just threw off their headphones. Or turn this off. Oh, but the texture on the cayenne one. A little bit more consistent. Less flecky. I feel like peanut butter, when peanut butter is in a bar, it tends to be a little more a little more moist. And when there's coffee in a bar, it tends to be a little more dry. And that's holding true here. But they're both flavorful. They're as good as just about any bar I buy and eat. How many, how many of mom's protein? I want grams of protein. Give it to me. I'm looking. Let me guess. Five grams. Five. Are you kidding me? You want more? Yeah. Yeah, you're really putting on muscle mass, aren't you? I get 20 grams out of some of these bars. And I'm, that's not even for the bodybuilding set, which I'm about to... You're going to go swimming pretty soon, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. So right. here's the thing. Bad news, cricket bar eaters. I'm just finishing up my... I'm trying to close this. Okay. Crickets aren't so green after all. The researchers measured how big the crickets grew and how much edible protein they produced. Diet made a huge difference. Those that ate a diet of processed food waste had a feed and protein conversion... Had a... God, there's typos on time. Had feed and protein conversion rates no more efficient than that of chickens. Nearly all those fed straight food waste died before they could be harvested. That's bad news. I do wonder if maybe that's the 
These are pros. That's, that's Tyson diet right there. That's the processed food waste, the little bit of gunk. Get it into your crickets. Yeah, keeps your crickets alive. And the most successful crickets were those that ate a grain-based diet similar to what most poultry eat. They had a 35% protein conversion rate, which is only slightly better than chickens. So even if the whole world took a page out of Mexico's cookbook and developed an appetite for... Crickets. Chapulín. Chapul. No. Chapul is the name of the bar. Crunchy fried crickets. Chapulines. Oh, Chapulines. The small Which is what protein... Swizz beats. Swizz Keats ate <laughs> in his Savue article. The small protein payoffs may not even be worth it if we're feeding them what chickens eat, the authors suggest. A couple things. Thanks for the ray of sunshine time. <laughs> One... The fact that they had one whole test segment just die makes me wonder if they knew how to handle the crickets right. <laughs> I know, right? Um, like the, the, the segment... You know the, wait, the, the, yeah, the segment that ate what crickets would probably naturally eat. Just died. Just died. <laughs> you know that the guy there, or, or lovely lady at Chapul manning the cricket farm is just scratching their head going... Or what? no, they're laughing. They're going, you idiot. How did you, you kill don't know those how crickets? To, how to farm crickets. But I think it is a good point. If you swap out, if the feed, if what you have to give the crickets is the same as what you would give the chickens in order to get the protein, uh, uh, we need a better solution. We need to do better than that. Yeah, but you can eat all the cricket. You can't eat chicken bones. Oh, you could pound them up. <clears throat> Bone, bone, bone broth. Bone broth. Bone meal. That, oh, that could be like a good smoothie thing for super aggro people instead of just whey protein. It's like bone protein. We, you don't think all that chicken Marrow gets used? mass. All that chicken gets used, Well, they friend. make stock and shit. No, dude. Dude, what are they doing with the bones? <laughs> you, here's the chicken. All the stuff that can go into the human food supply chain gets processed over there and becomes lovely. Oh, right. The things. bone becomes pet food. It's Then there's a piece that goes into the pet food world and can become byproducts. And then there's a piece that isn't, that maybe not even for that, um, and goes into animal feed. They'll feed it back to other stuff. Fra- cracks and frames. You want the cracks? You want the frames. Sorry, what? <laughs> is this inside? Is this Ooh. insider speak? Yep. So the frame would be the, the like you said the bones right yeah little bits of meat hanging on there some organs and stuff that you know aren't going in the human chain but the cracks is where you take maybe that's in there maybe there's some feather it depends on what you're talking about but where you grind it all up and make this big nutritious dense powder okay I think I think I got that right yeah I don't know what I, do you mean? I know I got that right I would rather eat a ground up uh, cricket than... because the crack is actually way more probably. It's like a nutrition bar. But would you prefer cricket powder or chicken powder? You don't know what it is. Oh, I'd prefer cricket powder. That's what I'm saying. There you go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I will eat it as a bar. Did you see uh, there was a video? Wait, you didn't like it as a bar? No, I said I'd totally eat it as a bar. Oh, I would. I think I'd eat it in a taco. (laughs) That's a popular way to eat it. A cricket taco. They have them. I'm sure you could find one at a street cart in uh, Williamsburg. You know what? I think it, everybody that I've seen talking about cooking with crickets, they're or cooking with insects. They're using like the whole insect, right? Yeah. And that's where everybody goes, ew. Well, whoever cooks with a whole chicken. That's that was my point about oh, the, the good point. <laughs> Did you miss that? Come on, that's what I'm saying. Like a cricket, you can use the whole thing. I get that the food industry, the, the food industry. Thing. Or the agro industry, whatever the hell, can use the whole chicken. Right. But in my kitchen... The home chef. Yeah. I'm not grinding bone into meal and feeding it to my dog. You're getting cuts off the bird, but... I'm making when, stock. When you switch to insects, you're going to be using that whole thing. You got to look at it. That's right. You could grind it up. Maybe pay someone to grind it for you. Just so you get your mortar and pestle out. Yeah, that would be gross. I, I mean, I'm sure you'd get over it. It's just... Insects. No, you throw it in the Vitamix. You don't even look spindly. at it. Oh, there, I can do that. You just throw it in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just make a shake and dump like a cup of crickets in it. Boom. You could even dump them in still living. <laughs> you could. You got some ethical, bioethical issues raised by that. You think? Well, I'm yeah. sure people are throwing them in vats of hot oil. Well, you think they gas them first? The, well, <laughs> I'm just saying. What, do you think they're gassing them first? I don't know what protocol is. No, I don't know how the... Uh, cricket supply chain works right now. You're allowed right to now. boil lobsters. You can bring live lobsters point. home and boil them. And you're the one that thinks So why can't I put lobsters live crickets? are a big insect. 
they definitely are. So why can't I put crickets in my Vitamix? Because huh? I think a lot of people would say, don't boil the lobster alive. Well, they're denying their own savage sides. <laughs> or explore yeah, your true nature. Gas the bird before you dip it in hot oil. That's right. Or fully kill the cow so it doesn't come alive on the hook. Humanely Jesus. boil the lavender at low heat. Nicely done. Are you going to tell, tell lavender loving? Okay. Lavender emerges as popular ingredient across, across categories, categories at summer, summer fancy food, food show by Elizabeth Crawford. Definitely pro now. She's pro status for writing this. No, we keep coming back to her. She showed oh, okay. up. Okay, yeah. I was going to say this isn't. This is more like a slideshow than an article. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Um, Still pro slideshow. So summer fancy. So fancy food. Big deal. Is it? In the trade show world. Oh, yeah. It's a little hybrid of like natural- The pro- summer fancy food show? Well, no. One, they have it in the summer and they have one in the winter. Is this like the Westminster dog show But kind it's of called thing? fancy food. It sounds It sounds like it would be sort it's of a like a, a best in show style. It's Christopher a, Guest It's a little fancy. Fest. It's uh, cheeses, meats, chocolates, and more and more natural stuff is showing up. Probably a lot of people in ascots drinking yerba mate out of gourds. <laughs> Safe to say? Not, no. I don't think it's not quite that bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a big show. And so Lavender popped. You're, I, this, I'm throwing this at you. I want to know, hack home chef. Excuse me. Home chef. <laughs> Josh Tyson. Just Wait one example. Let's of ha- be clear here. Because what I, I didn't take that as an insult because I thought you meant a chef who's full of all sorts of hacks, hacks like life hacks. But if you're calling me a hack, you son of a bitch. You see if I ever cook for you again. Uh, you've enjoyed many a meal over here. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh, it's been a while, has it? How quickly Candy we forget. and cocktail syrup maker Salt and Flint infuses caramel with French lavender by steeping the herb in cream before straining it and making the candy. And to keep it from getting bitter, they cook it at a low regulated temperature. Uh, yeah. It's a bit of a industry hack. She also Lavender asked, hack. She also adds the herb to a peach lavender shrub for making cocktails and Shrub is soda. good stuff. I had some peach shrub. I had a bottle of peach shrub. You know what's... Oh, dude, I told you this before. You know Wait what... Minute, that's not an actual shrub? A shrub is like a mixer. It's like a... Yeah, I know. Oh, all right. It's kind of like a vin- sweet vinegar tasting thing. But you know what it's great in besides cocktails? What, shrubs or lavender? Shrub. The peach shrub in particular that I had. Great... Splash a little into a can of La Croix. <gasps> La Croix. What isn't good splashed into a can of La Croix? Uh, chicken bone powder. <laughs> uh, you haven't For tried starters. It. You haven't tried it. Mm. So I don't know. They're putting lavender in some stuff. They had it in, uh, it was an ice cream. They so wait, but this in. is the big takeaway from this whole big fancy food no, show is that lavender is top dog. You go to these these shows and and you get a sense of what ingredients are, b- are going to pop, what are going to pop, oh. and increasingly they are these sort of and these ancient ingredients that have been around forever, but they're getting their day again. Lavender's like, I mean, tough one. That's why I was surprised. I'm like, that's. I feel like there's a dry soda that company, Dry Soda, right? Isn't that the name of that company? They make a lavender soda. Comes in a. All the bottles are clear, but yeah, the, you're not seeing lavender everywhere. I guess not. And well, not probably, yet, right? Next year, probably, all lavender. You probably won't because it's pretty strong. For You're t- I'm going to be drinking lavender mate out of my uh, gourd next year. That's Wearing like, a lavender that's like 2002. flecked ascot. Uh-huh. Are you, oh, what, you saying that uh, mate gourds are played out? Because I'm pretty sure they're timeless. I don't have one. You just drink your mate, mate out of a Von Dutch hat. You got a, ma- <laughs> you got a mate gourd? No, I don't. Did you? No. I were, uh, we knew someone who did, though. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, we knew one person had <laughs> a mate gourd. Did, you, did you watch that show, uh, Mozart in the City? No. Oh, it's on Amazon. You don't have it. It's a great... Oh, I got a free Prime membership, and I watched Transparent. It was amazing, right? It's pretty amazing. It's a stunning show. It's so good. You should watch uh, Mozart in the City. It's got uh, Gael Bernal Garcia as this kind of Is playboy hotshot. Uh, not quite as good. It's I not as get off my leg. it's not as weighty and uh, 
real. It's a little more campy, but it's really good. Jesus. Woo. But he drinks mate oh. out of a gourd. Both legs. Oh, jeez. Give me a second. Uh, another good show on Amazon Prime is Catastrophe with uh, Twitter phenom Rob Delaney. Is it good? It is good. I think it aired originally on the BBC and then Amazon picked it up as and are selling it as a, a Amazon series. But it's got, I wish I could remember the lady's name, but he plays like a Yankee who's away on business in London and he gets, he has a one night stand or actually a fling, like seven nights of hot and heavy sexual intercourse with a, a British lady. And then a few months later, she calls him, she's pregnant. He goes back over there. They try and make it work, but it's, it's like a real... It's kind of a body, uh, unhinged, crazy feeling show, hmm. as I guess a show called Catastrophe should be. Great tip. Just the tip. Um, the veggie dick. <laughs> just the tip. Oh, man. Couldn't have planned a better segue. So you didn't send a link to this article. I'm assuming you just want to hog it all for yourself. So <laughs> oh, crap. Sorry. I'll sit back and <laughs> you oh, take the damn. reins. This was the one. You, this was a long one. Oh, yeah. I that's not a pro you. move. Yeah. I think like, I'm sorry. The no, it's okay. I read your quotes and they were alarming. The vegetable detective, a molecular biologist, mm. is finding what could be, what could be dangerous levels of heavy metals in plants like kale, often called the queen of the vegetable kingdom. And they've shown up the most in organic varieties by Todd Oppenheimer. Story appearing on craftsmanship.net. I don't know what that is. So if you'd read this, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening here. Um, There's a guy on a houseboat who's associated with an alternative health clinic who kind of has... It's more like his friends than his patients. Uh, he decides that a lot of them have these really vague symptoms, and he's going to help them out and do this uh, some analytical blood work, maybe it was urine work, test them for stuff and try to figure it out. And he sees an alarming instance of um, thallium. Heavy metal. This is a long article. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. And starts to unpack unpack why that's there. Um, so if you were going to get alarmist, so that, I, mean, I think we could poke a lot of holes in this already, but he stumbled on a 2006 study out of the Czech Republic showing how the cruciferous family of vegetables, cauliflower, be- kale, cabbage, be- mm-hmm, behave as quote, hyper accumulators of thallium. Crucifers include many of our more intense green vegetables, such as kale, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, mustard, and collard greens. These are also the vegetables often touted and consumed most heavily these days, supposedly for their outsized health benefits. And then we get to this, one more quote. We get to this, well, this Dr. Can I Krieg. read this quote? Because this is like a Tyson diet type quote here. Okay. Potentially toxic elements are everywhere these days. Chemicals. Isn't that what I said? Nope. Potentially toxic chemicals are everywhere these days. You said elements. I think you're hearing things. (laughs) You didn't even get close to chemicals. Potentially toxic chameleons are everywhere these days. So isn't it foolish to overreact if we see trace signs of them in our urine? Quigg's answer essentially is no. Quote, we now know that heavy metals are additive and synergistic. He said, if you get a little thallium and a little lead and a little cadmium, cadmium, cadmium. I wonder if that's in Cadbury chocolates. In your system, you've got one plus one equals five or six. Nope. You've not got just three. One plus one plus one equals five or six, not just three. Which is what I said. One plus one <laughs> plus one plus one plus five equals six, not three. So, I mean, you know, as a... That, as that quote makes very little sense. No, it doesn't? Well, I mean, I get that it's accumulating, but... It's hyper... The, the, the thesis here is that People are pounding kale, not only kale, but organic kale Mm. as this health savior and organic kale more than conventional kale and way more than a bunch of other stuff like lettuce is really good at picking up heavy metals and holding on to them. And so therefore you're getting them and you're using this health ingredient to toxify your body with heavy metals. And creating all of these vague health health symptoms that can that your primary doctor can't really help with. 
Well, I mean, frankly, I think this is really, really good news for the music community because there's been kind of a drought of good, solid heavy metal music for a while. You got a few bands, a few luminaries, and a few old guard musicians. Oh, and, ACDC's and back, right? I'm thinking like Slayer, Mastodon, some of the heavier guys. There's all these. I mean, Dave would actually be Dave Carney be a great person to talk about heavy metal with. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but what an interesting paradigm now we'll have. Or uh, I mean, you got so you're gonna have all these people eating kale, eating organic kale. That's gonna. I would assume that's gonna be like a softer subset of the of the music. Uh, producing population, right? They're going to be a little more folky. Consuming population. Producing. I'm talking about people, oh. musicians, who would eat a lot of organic kale are all of a sudden going to be really <laughs> tuned in to heavy metal. They're right. not going to know why they want to sell right. their acoustic guitar. It's that low hum of cadmium running through their spine. Yeah, they're like, yeah. I just keep hearing it. I'm, yeah. just, I'm hearing this pounding double bass drum beat. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> I got it. You, you, you picking up what I'm putting down? Uh-huh. It's going to be good. So bring on the heavy metal. I think perhaps more interesting. No, actually not. Not No, not more interesting. <laughs> just just more... Uh, more uh, sane and factual. Uh, just, uh, but, uh, man, it's like who... I don't... Uh, you can't escape it, right? Toxic environment infects everything. Part of the article, I think it, they just, this uh, houseboat doctor... By the way, <laughs> um, Neil Gottlieb... We want to get on very soon. I think. Does he live on a houseboat? <laughs> he last I checked, he lives on a houseboat. Oh, jealous. <laughs> he grows organic vegetables up on deck. Uh oh. He lives down below, single. Founded and runs an organic ice cream company. And just a wardrobe full of insanely patterned pants. <laughs> but a lot of pa- branded pants from Thailand, and uh, probably a lot of dates. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say it. Well. So he's spreading heavy metal throughout the community. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's a gentleman, he's making him breakfast, right? Here is a, here's an organic kale omelet. Well, his I'm kale. I'm not sure why it's so heavy. I'll bet you his kale's clean as a whistle, right? Right there up on deck. Unless he's using... Is that a euphemism? <laughs> Unless he's using... Um, uh, it, was the, it was the ash product. Coal... No. Ash. Ash? Where did they get the ash from? Yeah, I think it's ash from... What in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Hold on. Entertain them. Coal. You couldn't come up with coal? Well, but what? I'm, I'm confused about the whole farming situation here. You're also confused about the distance from the mic situation. <laughs> uh, the circle of toxicity. Is it the golden ring? Coal ash. Yeah. Might be the culprit. Because the circle, when energy companies burn coal, they need a cheap way to get rid of the ash, so they sell it as fertilizer. Something preventing you from just talking <laughs> into the microphone? The crops absorb the thallium, <laughs> the animals eat what the plants produce, then they poop out thallium. There you go. Oh, Whoa. In honor of the modern ethic to recycle whenever possible, we gather the manure and use it again for more fertilizer, often on organic farms. All right. I think they debunked this, but it's sort of like, where is all this thallium coming from that's showing up at, you know, it's trace amounts. I don't think, there's a couple weird examples in here of friends on his houseboat who had uh, alarmingly high levels, but most people, it's it's acceptable. To be clear, we're not talking about Neil Gottlieb's houseboat right now. I'm sorry, we're back to doctor. Yeah, don't confuse your houseboats and do not slander Mr. Gottlieb. Well, I don't even know if it is doctor, but we're talking about Ernie Hubbard. Ernie Hubbard, houseboat MD. <laughs> great. There's a pilot. He actually comes across pretty well in this. He's he's kind of skeptical. He's like he's, he's he's like a you. He's a life. He's creating this sort of analytical chemistry lab in his houseboat, and then he's sending stuff off to get sampled by that's professional like outfits. Yeah, just <laughs> that's the kind of thing I do. Band aids and scotch tape for a while <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Okay, uh, but isn't that ironic? Don't you think the organic kale. A little too ironic. For all the wonderful things it's doing for you. And yes, I really do think. It's just soaking up those heavy metals, man. They also found arsenic in rice a while ago, right? And it's like, I ah, remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a common problem. Yeah, we were freaked out for a few hours. Like, should we, <laughs> should we get rid of this huge bag of organic brown rice? I'm like, meh. Nah. Fuck it. Tyson diet. We need a little bit of arsenic in us. Well, we, we just We eat the occasional do. apple seed, too. It's all good. 
Or no, they have cyanide in them, don't they? We could close with an anecdote. Let's do it. It's uh, in front of you under your mic, the book of anecdotes. Oh. It's that big gray one. Should I find one? Yeah. Oh, you, don't, uh, you don't have one pre-selected. No, well, just look in the index. Okay. I would, I've been looking under food. I'm going to look under vegetables. Ooh, I like it. Or salad. So progressive. I bet you they don't have salad, does it? You never know. There might be a salad anecdote. Saints, sailors, salaries, mm-hmm. sales. Close. Saloons. <laughs> Sex. The vegetarians. Perfect. Look. Stravinsky, greatly concerned with his health. Who is Stravinsky, Josh? He's a composer, right? Igor, Russian-born composer, 1882 to 1971. Oh, that is, that's a rich life. That's 1884 to 1971. 1882 to 1971. That's a full 89 years of life. That, yeah, I have this theory because I, I tend to be hypochondriacal, you know, like obsessive about it and worry about stuff. Oh boy, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Remember my cracked rib? That got better. Oh, good. Um, what about your infected nail? That's not. Jesus, that hasn't healed yet? No, it. it, it it's, uh, that's not for public discussion. What? <laughs> what were you doing with that finger? <laughs> You've never gotten a cuticle infection. <laughs> I have. No, you haven't. Not. I have not. Yeah, you have not. I you know, you I know how s- I got it? I, you know how I got the first one? Changing diapers. You want to go deeper on that? I don't know if we need to. Dry, cracked cuticle, change diaper. Nyeh. Yeah, I'm putting it together. It gets infected, and a lot of the time when it gets infected like that, it doesn't. You got to take antibiotics to get rid of it. Well, because it just keeps getting dirty. It's tough to tough to shake. Especially when you're changing diapers every. And then when you get one, hours. you're probably going to get more later in life. I've had two. On the on the grand scale right, of health concerns, health this is very small. <laughs> People make, My, make but, sure to moisturize your hands if you're changing a lot of diapers. Okay, especially around the cuticles. Yeah, don't wash them. You get like a heavy hand salve. Like a, yeah. a cream almost, or like a... Sad, a Burt's Bees wax. Or they have a... Nor, uh, Neutrogena has a, uh, I think, one it's that... It's a natural product. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's what fishermen use. <laughs> what? They have, like you... a, they have like a fisherman's blend hand Are you salve. serious? Yeah, it's like super heavy duty and thick. There's a Neutrogena fisherman's blend? <laughs> we'll get back to you. I'm pretty <laughs> that sure. That is fantastic. If there isn't, that is ideation. All right, Stravinsky, what's up? What's going on? My point, my point was that this guy lived lived to be 89. I think the people that worry about all their health problems actually have to suffer with that the longest. My point being that they live a long time. and That sounds like that, some horseshit theory that you made up to nope. convince yourself that you're going to live a long time. You're convinced you're going to die at 40? Nah, you're going to think that for the next 50 years, Igor. Stravinsky, greatly concerned with his health, would sometimes put himself on a diet of raw vegetables. Oh! Look at that. Raw foodist back in the day. During one such period, he dined on raw tomatoes and potatoes at a restaurant with composer Nicholas Nabokov. <laughs> Not to be confused with... Vladimir? James Nabokov. Nabokov left some of his cutlet at the side of his plate. Doesn't say what kind of meat. And Stravinsky asked if he might finish it. Swallowing the morsel with a generous helping of sour cream, he declared... I want to astonish the raw potato in my stomach. That's the anecdote. <laughs> that's great. Uh-huh. With just one little bite of meat. See, that's sort of the, that's sort of the. He seems to be of the Monsanto kills camp here. Yeah, he's he's eating. He's going way extreme, just eating raw vegetables. But he's like, oh, my friend didn't finish his meat. Looks like a nice cut of meat. Not. Put I'm it gonna to have waste. a bite. I'll take that bite. I'm gonna dip it in sour cream, even. Astonish the potato in my stomach. That is commitment. Eating, I mean, eating a lot of raw vegetables is, is, is there's mo- a lot of vegetables that you can eat raw that it's pleasurable, but a potato, that's punishment. Wait a minute. Is it, that's right. He eating raw potato? Yeah. Potatoes raw have like a really weird aftertaste. I don't They're, think that's even good for you. They leave your like body a film can't, on your teeth. Well, isn't that the, that's the thing with a lot of this raw foodism is it's, it's actually harder for your, your body has to work hard to break it down. Oh, boo hoo. Your body has to work hard. Well, think about a potato. Thinking about one right now. <laughs> Done. Peace out. Hey, hey, friends. Thanks for listening to NatchCast. 
It's good to be back on the mics, back in the basement, back with Mark. My dear sweet Mark, gazing at him through pillows. Uh, Where was I going with this? I don't know. It's good to be back. Good to be alive. Good to be saying goodbye to you. Because that was a fun Natch cast and we're going to do it again. We're going to get busy. We're going to tango with the news. It's like this cricket meals tangoing with the probiotics in my belly. Hashtag Tyson Diet at Real Natch. Hashtag rambling on too long. Hashtag drink a little quieter, please. <laughs> 